Welcome to the December episode of International Voices. My name is Udo Fluk. I oversee the global program in Arts Missoula, and I am the host and moderator of this podcast series. To listen to episodes from the last two years, please visit artsmissoula.org, click on Global, and visit Radio and Podcasts. International Voices is a monthly podcast brought to you through a collaboration of Arts Missoula Global and The Trail 1033. Hello to all of the listeners of International Voices. This is the third and final episode focusing on managing cultural adjustment and culture shock. Last month, we dedicated the episode to students who started their education far away in another country and are finishing it in a local high school in Missoula. The October episode was about a student at the University of Montana who had moved from Manila, the capital of the Philippines, a city with several million people, to Phillipsburg, Montana, a city of under a thousand individuals, and how she dealt with the cultural adjustment. My guest today is from the Democratic Republic of Congo. He serves as the Congress Delegate for Montana. Please introduce yourself to our audience. My name is Paul Mwingwa. I'm from the Democratic Republic of Congo, as you say, and I'm very happy to be with you in this studio. Wonderful. Thank you, Paul, for being here today. And um, before we will learn more about what a refugee Congress delegate for Montana does, can you please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, as uh, I told you that my name is Paul Mwingwa. I was born in Bukavu. Bukavu is one of the region of uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, is the east part. And Bukavu is a big city of the South Kivu region. Uh, I'm the last born in my family. And uh, yeah. How many are in your family? We was eight. Yeah. But for now, I still alone. I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your home country? Yeah, the Democratic Republic of Congo is at the center of Africa. Okay. Yeah, have uh, uh, nine countries neighbor. Neighboring nine countries? Yes. Okay. And I've been in Missoula here for almost now four years. Mm -hmm. But in, in Congo, in the east part, we, I, the only thing I can, I can say about Congo is a multicultural country. Okay. We have uh, four national languages. And all of us who meet, we, we speak French. Okay. We have uh, Lingala, which is spoken in the capital. And we have Kinshasa. We have Swahili spoken in the east part. And the center part is speaking with Chiluba. And the west part is speaking with Kikongo. And... But the East part we speak Swahili, which uh, belong for Tanzania, Kenya, Burundi, and Rwanda. Uh -huh. And that part speaks Swahili. So when children grow up, how many different languages do they learn? Do they just learn the one that is spoken in the location? Yeah. At the primary school, they teach Swahili okay. and French. Okay. 
Yeah, since we get now at the secondary school, now we start learning English for almost two, two hours a week. Okay, yeah. I see. Um, why did you want to leave your home country? That was not my choice. Uh, we, I leave my country because of the war. Okay. In 1997, the trouble started in my country. Right. The rebel tried to remove Mobutu to power, and they did it. After that, after that time, the trouble started in my country, and that put me out of the country. Because of that trouble, is that a long story that I can make short. In 2002, I traveled the border to come to Rwanda, and there I spent 18 years in Rwanda before coming here. Ah, okay. Now, Paul, you said that you have been in Missoula for almost for four years. Yes. Um, did you come directly to Missoula, or did you come somewhere else in the United States and live there first before coming to Missoula? No, I just came directly to Missoula. Directly to yeah, Missoula. Yeah, the other part was just for transit, yeah, but uh, the destination was Missoula Mountain. Okay. Mm. Now, probably for our listeners, um, it would be interesting. Today is a very snowy day in Missoula, and we were all slipping and sliding to uh, the trail studio this morning. And um, before we went live, I asked Paul um, what the temperature is in, uh, in his home country, and he said it would be about 90 degrees, so um, a little warmer than uh, what we have here, and certainly no snow. Yes. Um, is Missoula your home for now, or are you planning to uh, go back uh, to uh, the Republic of Congo? Missoula is home now. Uh, as I told you, I have four years here. Right. And I have a chance to, to, to buy my house. Right. That makes me the chance that I decide since I get here. I remember when I get the message for my email telling me that you are going to Missoula, Montana. That was my first time to hear Missoula, Montana. <laughs> In the USA, we know only Chicago, New York, right. Las Vegas, but Montana right. or Missoula was unknown for me. Right. And then when I saw that, okay, I received that message, I received, I fell in love with Missoula. So, okay, that's the choice for my God, let me go there. Right. Uh, since I get here, I put down my... My dream, I told, okay, I had the things I was to do, I have to do, and one of that was to look for a house, a permanent house. And for me, that perhaps could take um, 10 years or five years. Sure. But in two years, I got that dream done. Oh, I nice. live in Lolo, uh, just uh, now is one year and uh, some, some month. I, I right. Yes. Well, Lolo is still very close to yeah. Missoula, so. Mm. Um, that's easy to, uh, I know several people that are coming in hmm. in the morning to Missoula and, yeah. uh, and they live out. And I think there is a certain charm to um, living uh, uh, down the Bitterroot uh, yeah. Valley. Yeah. And, um, and it's still close enough to come into the city. Yes. Um, what I think is interesting, what you said, uh, that, and I had this happen, uh, I've lived here for 30 years. Mm -hmm. But I remember in the beginning, and actually still today, when I go to, um, you know, like national conferences or places where lots of people come together and I'm asked, where do you live? And I say, Missoula. 
uh, Montana, oftentimes people go, where's that? Yes. Because if you say, well, I'm from San Francisco, mm. people go, okay, San okay. Francisco. Mm. I'm from Boston, people go, okay, Boston, I know where that is. Mm. Um, but Missoula is such a hidden gem that uh, for many people, and probably yes. that is a good thing, uh, for many people it's uh, off the map. And, and uh, people do not really sort of know immediately where, where to find it. Yeah. Um, but I think that's also has contributed to its charm, mm -hmm. that it isn't a big city mm -hmm. and that it is a, a still a, a, you know, a good-sized community, but mm -hmm. by no means a large city. And yes. I think that's a, a yeah. lot of why people mm -hmm. live here yeah. and why they appreciate Missoula. Yes. And you have the advantage of having lots of activities mm -hmm. that you can do around that um, so many other places in big cities yes. don't have. Yeah. You have to drive uh, a couple hours to get to a ski area or mm -hmm. you have to uh, drive a couple hours to get to a, a lake or something. And yeah. here it's fairly close. Um, what is your definition of home? Now that you talked about mm -hmm. the importance of you having your own home, mm -hmm. define what it means to you in your heart um, when you hear the word home. Yeah, thank you for that question. For me, when I think home, home is a place of rest. Right. You can do everything everywhere, but when you want to, to, to take a rest, home is the best place to take that. Home for me means a peaceful place. The place where you can feel free. Right. You can feel welcome. We can feel you can do whatever you want to do. Right. And then that for me is not only a house. It can be a place. Right. As I can say, for me, Missoula or Montana is home. Right. I, I, I lost or I can recover it from my home country. At that, the, the time we moved there, it's because it was that quality of being a place of peace, a place of rest was missing. Now, I get the chance to, to recover that place here where I feel free, I feel welcomed, I feel I can do whatever I want to do. Yeah, I already have all my friends here all family, I feel home, right. where I have peace, uh, freedom, I can try to do whatever I want to do, I can feel the place, I can move when I want to move, Right. that is home. Yeah. I appreciate that, Paul, I think that is a very good definition of home, and reminds me of so many people that are refugees that have lost their home because either it was destroyed mm -hmm. in a war or um, it was uh, uh, seized by uh, another power or whatever it may be, but mm -hmm. they do not have uh, all the things you just described. Yeah. Um, plus their family may also not be with them. Mm. And then what does a person have if they don't have a place that they can call home? And you're right, it doesn't have to be a house. Mm. It can be a location. 
And I think that that's something that um, is worth spending a minute or two yes. uh, contemplating. What What is a house and what is a home? And they don't have to necessarily be the same. Mm -hmm. They could actually be different places as long as that is the place where you, like you said, can rest yes. and you can recharge and you can rejuvenate and you can get ready for whatever it is that you need to do. What do you remember about your cultural adjustment and your culture shock when you first experienced American or more specifically Montana culture? Yeah, that's, a, that's a hard question for me, but it can be also an easy one. Yeah, since we get here, the, the, everything is totally different. Right. The way of uh, working, speaking, and as we, the first barrier we met was the barrier of language. And for us, that was a hard thing to do. We, we just be very thankful for IRC and the soft landing and uh, the lifelong, uh, lifelong language center. Yes. They welcomed us and I get a class of English at the lifelong language center. I do all my best. I make all my energy to learn English. And uh, that was something that was a shock for me. I come, I come in the, from a country we speak French. Right. And some words make confusion by French and sure. the pronunciation of some words that we try to learn at school, right. the way of speaking English, that I think we have speaking English for Africa. Right. That was that is a British one. Right. But the American one was totally different. Right. And we have to learn all that thing to just like uh, to format our our brain to try to adjust that, that, show, that was a hard shock. Right. For the culture, for the, the climate, that was also another thing. That was my first time to see the snow and to leave the snow. Right. Uh, I remember February 9th, I was uh, ready to die under the snow at the South Mall Gate. <laughs> I missed the bus. And I didn't know that all bus number seven or number six can take me right. to the downtown, but I only know that number two and number one. And I was there waiting for number one or number two for 30 minutes in the snow. Mm -hmm. uh, that was horrible for me. Well, I would think that from what you told us that uh, it's now 90 degrees yes. in the Republic of Congo that the the climate difference mm. is significant yes and i'm i'm always thinking when you come from a place where you have mm. the traditional four seasons or, or 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 some resemblance of it um it's easier because you know that there is a, yeah. a winter period and then there is a spring a summer and a fall but in many places around the world there is only two seasons yes a dry season let's yeah. say and a yeah. wet season yeah. And there isn't even a temperature change. It's just that, you yeah, know. it just it means the same, right? Because uh, we have uh, only three months of, uh, of dry season, right? But uh, all the year is raining, right? And it's not the hard one. We you we can't wear a coat. It's just old people or small kids who can try to make a coat because it's raining. But right. 
the most part of the country is the it's warm. Sure, considered. sure. Yeah. Mm. What about food? When you first came here, food is a challenge. Until now, we didn't get the food that uh, the original one from our country. Right. And because uh, we we still be a little community here, we have to go to Idaho to ask people to to send us some food from Africa, and it's hard. We sure. try to say, okay, let's uh, let's try to eat that we get here. Right. And. Uh, For now, now we try to, the door is try to be great for us and we get some food now. Yeah. Um, are there stores in Missoula that carry African, traditional African food items? Uh, no. 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 So we just have... try to get that, yeah, from Idaho. But uh, on Walmart, they already put uh, some flowers from, from maize. What helped you in your cultural transition, Paul, when you first came here? Was there something that you did that helped you settle in? I, we didn't do it just to be flexible, to know that, okay, we don't have choice. Right. We have to, to try to fit ourselves in this culture and try to do all our best to, to get in. Right. Yeah. We can't say that we have to remain or to take, uh, to have our culture with us or that can't work for us, it's just, okay, let's get in. Let's try to, to do our best to, to learn new things. Yeah. I think we, we are not ready to forget our culture, right, but right. we try to make it live. Right. But all things must be new for us. Right. Mm. And I can, I can relate to the idea of um, doing what you need to do on location. And that doesn't mean, like you said, that you should forget your past. Yeah. But there is um, little value in 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 being sad about uh, the past mm -hmm. if you are on a new location. Yes. And you need to fit in and you need to somehow function. So I think, like you said, you just know that you need to yeah. fit in and you need to somehow figure things out. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. Um. You wear many different hats in addition to being the Refugee Congress delegate for Montana. Um, you are also a caseworker assistant at the International Rescue Committee, the IRC in Missoula. You are a member of the Refugees Advisory Council, the um, RAC for the IRC. Um, you mentioned before that You are a Swahili language instructor and a private contractor at the Lifelong Learning Center. So I'd like to go through all of these and have you tell our listeners a little bit about what that means, starting with the Refugee Congress Delegate for Montana. That yeah. seems to be the big one. <laughs> yeah. So if you, if you would tell us a little bit more about what that means and what you do, yes. that I think would be very helpful. Okay. Thank you for that question. Um, as a delegate for Montana for Refugee Congress, Refugee Congress is a non-profit organization built and led with refugees and Asali. Our headquarters is in New York, uh, Washington, D.C., and we have all delegates in all 50 uh, states. And uh, in, two, under, in 2000, 
in 2020, I was elected to be the delegate for Montana. Uh, the Refugee Congress has to do advocacy for refugees. Okay. In all the states. And as a well, delegate for Montana, my first job is to try to advocate for refugees and to try also to make refugees together to choose for and the, and the group, the community, our leaders. And from there now, we can try to to make our voice loudly and to try to share our experience, to, to, to try to teach our communities how we can fit in the new community, try to, to learn, right. because we, we are refugees here and we come from different countries. Sure. In Missoula now, we have... Uh, Refugee from Afghanistan, from Syria, from Iraq, uh, from Congo, and from Yemen, from Eritrea, and all those cultures we we are we meet under the umbrella of being refugee, right. and we have to be together, and by being together we learn to, to try to learn the new things in Missoula in USA and to be part of the community. Sure. Yeah. Now as a delegate, we have to make all refugees together. We can understand where we are coming from, how we can rebuild our life in USA and in Missoula, how we can be part of the community. And after that, now we can raise our voice to try to advocate for ourselves and to be welcomed in the, uh, the state of Montana. So you are a catalyst of sorts mm -hmm. of bringing uh, making the connection yeah. to other refugees, yes. but you are also, or part of your job is also to to organize and structure um, interests yes. that refugees have. Do I understand it correctly? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So um, when you do that, do you do this by yourself or do you have other people that are... Um, helping you with that? Yeah, I have uh, other people who are helping me because uh, as a delegate, I have the I have associate delegate for all the members of the community. Okay. we can I can choose some of them to be close of me. Sure. And uh, be under, we have assistance from IRSC, soft lending, that can give some advice just to help to be together. Sure. And yeah, I have a team that I'm building to make that happen. Okay. Mm. So what are some activities or some past involvement that the refugees here in Missoula have had um, as far as interactions with the community? Are there some things that, you, that stand out to you? Yeah, from now I can say we didn't do anything that can be great. Because you see, I was elected under under COVID, and COVID right. have a, a lot of restriction. Right now, we we was just building ourselves. Sure. To make sure that we can be ready now to be out of out of uh, the community. Right. But I can say we just working in ourselves and try to be ready to share our experience with. We just have some little event, uh, just to be. In the community, yeah. Okay. Um, those events or those activities is are, are they uh, happening at a regular, um, in a regular schedule, 
or are those things that so what I guess what I'm saying is are those things happening like monthly or are they um, not really a regular thing yeah is we can say it's not a regular things but it's just some events that can make us together I remember we are sharing our stories uh, as you met some students right I remember he did also a story tell us uh, tell tell us something we have an event just after when we are opening from from COVID, we share our story to see how we we get out of the shock of the culture, right? And how to be in a new country. Just some kind of the event, but we don't have a schedule that we have to do every two months or something. But in our plan, we have to do that. I see. Okay. So how does the work? as a refugee Congress delegate for Montana, connect to your position as a caseworker assistant at the International Rescue Committee? Yeah. That is a easy thing to do because we are part of the community. Right. And being a caseworker assistant at the IRC helped me to be involved a lot in the community. Sure. As uh, for me, saving my community, and it's not only my community, it's in all members, friends, is not a hard thing for me. I make it easy, just part of in me. Right. And being an um, uh, assistant caseworker, that helped me to save a lot to my community, to be, again, close of them in every details. And... All as my role now is to welcome the new one who just come and can try to help them, taking them to do some shopping, try to help them to understand from our experience how they can be, they can feel home, they can be welcomed when they see someone who is, was a refugee right. like them, welcoming them, that makes them... So a lot of home. it is what you have experienced when you came here yeah. is passing on to others that are just arriving here yes. to help them in their cultural adjustment and yeah. in the process help um, avoid culture shock or at least reduce yeah. culture shock. Yes. Okay. Um, tell me a little bit more about the Refugee Advisory Council in the IRC. I was not aware that they had a specific council for that. Yeah, uh, that, uh, that um, role was created with, uh, with IRC just to be when COVID uh, shut down the doors and people was not uh, have the easy way to go to IRC, then IRC think how they can be close the community. Ah, okay. Now they choose some of us to be part of that uh, advice council to be as a bridge between the office and the community. Ah, okay. And then they can reach out to us and we can reach out to our community just to share information about COVID and anti, from now it's not very active. It's just something that can we can say it's done. Sure. Yeah. But that was our role just to be a bridge, a connection, a connection. between the community and uh, IRSC under the COVID period. I see. Okay. Thank you. Mm. Um, tell me a little bit more about your role as the Swahili language instructor. That sounds interesting. Yes. Yeah. Being in Missoula, I, when I was um, learning English at uh, Lifelong Learning Center, we, we met some friends that want also to learn Swahili. 
Okay. And it's a lifelong center they have to tell someone if you have something you can share with the community. Sure. And for me, I will say, okay, sharing my language with people can be based with things I can do. Right. And we we make an announcement under um, the brochure of our lifelong learning center, and we have two classes before COVID. Uh-huh. Yeah, and with the first group finished and uh, yeah, two classes, the second one, after that COVID uh, came and we shut off the class. When we recover from COVID, we try to restart that and we struggling, we, we are doing some advo- uh, advertisement to let people know that we can do that class again. Ah, okay. Yes, yeah. I think this is so um, such a neat thing Mm-hmm. when um, members in our community that are not from here, yeah. um, and and this is not happening in a one-sided way, that those individuals are learning only about American culture or about Montana culture, but that in the same process, they actually are teaching mm-hmm. others about their own culture. Yes. And language teaching mm-hmm. is a perfect example of... Yeah. Um, passing something on from you while you are at the same time learning something about the culture and the language. Like you said, you took English classes yes. there and now you're teaching Swahili classes. Yeah. So it's really and, neat. And that's, uh, that's also something which was, uh, uh, for me, it was a sign that people in Missoula want to learn our language so that they want to be with us, they want to be part of us. Sure. Yeah, they open their doors, their minds to learn our language. For me, that was uh, something that encouraged me. So, okay, this is a place where I, we can try to share everything with uh, our new community, and that means they are open everything for us. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah, I think that is just so neat, and and I see that here and there with international students mm. that come to. Um, uh, to Missoula and uh, and specifically to the university where um, they do presentations, they are part of roundtable discussions, mm-hmm. um, they share projects, major projects with the community. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a neat way of learning about other cultures, not from a textbook yes. or not from a documentary, mm-hmm. but from people that are actually members of those communities. Yes. And they become the teacher and are informing others about their culture, their language, their customs, their traditions, whatever it may be. What a what an ideal way of actually giving and taking yes. uh, and benefiting each other. Yeah. Um, why is this work with the IRC important? Why do you think it is important to provide that assistance for newly settled refugee families? Uh, I can say that it's very, very important to, to work as a part of IRC teams. And for me, it's just to give something from me, help new refugees. Even it's not only the new refugees, the old refugees who has been here. Some of us still struggling with the language. We have to, yeah, it's Missoula look small, but it's a big city for people who have a less education. Something, some, some people don't be flexible to change the culture directly. And being part 
working with IRC, being there where I'm very close with refugees, right? That's make me yeah, feel that okay, I have to do this for my community. It's just so it's almost a duty. Yeah, yeah. I see. And I do it like I'm doing that for myself. How has your work as a caseworker um, helped those individuals specifically? So I'm thinking you have gone through certain stages when you came here. Yeah. And you can tell others um, about what what to do, what to avoid, yeah. um, how to even basic things, where to get groceries or, yes. or where to do certain things. How do you think this has helped those individuals in their cultural adjustment? Yeah, that is uh, something when I can hear from them. As they, when I was welcomed here, since at the airport, when I, I get a caseworker who was welcoming me, with an interpreter who was speaking my language, right. that's already opened my heart. Okay, I feel home. I have uh, someone who can okay. help me. And it's the same thing for those who are welcoming. When they see someone who can speak their, uh, their language, and I'm ready, I understand where they're coming from. Sure. Yeah, because I know where they're coming from, the kind of life they was living there. Right. And being here, I can say, okay, I'm the best person to try to help them to say, okay, don't, we, you can take this from our country and have that here, and right. you can drop some culture from our country and get the new things here. I, I can feel that um, I'm useful. Right. I'm important to try to help them to understand things as I already understand it, and share my experience. Right. As you say, I can tell, don't do this in this country, don't do this. Right. Even we, we used to do that in our country. Right. Here we have right. to avoid those kind of mentality and make our life easy. Sure. Is to just follow the rule, follow the, yeah. Now, as, as a, a language instructor for Swahili, mm. Um, helping those families that are coming from the Republic of Congo mm. in their cultural adjustment. How, um, how do you think language learning and, um, and language instruction can benefit the cultural adjustment? Do you think language plays a big part in this? Yeah, language is... Doing a, is a barrier, right? But removing that barrier make life easy. Even though we have some friends from Missoulian who want to help refugees, but the barrier of the language there, and that uh, was something that motivated most of my students. Right. They they want to help refugees, but they don't even know the first the greetings. For them, no jambo. Jambo is hello. Right. That's just open. I have uh, one of my coworkers who is coming from uh, uh, somewhere, but he, he came with the new refugees in the same plane. Right. But when he greeted them, Jambo, they was, oh, who, who know our language here? Right. Then they feel 
welcomed when they see someone who speaks their language. Right. And for those who try to help, when they just have a jumbo habari, that's open the door. Right. And make... It's things. sort of the first impression. Yes. And yeah. I've heard this before that um, people have said, you don't need to be able to speak much. Yes. But if you can say a greeting yeah. in the language that you are immersing yourself in, or just a few things like hello and thank you, mm. it makes a major difference to connect to the culture on location. Yes. Mm. So that would be a, a, a great example for that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And that we can say asante. Asante is thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, this is the final episode of Managing Cultural Adjustment and Culture Shock. What else should people in our community know about resettled refugees in Missoula? And how can people assist those individuals in their cultural adjustment from your perspective? Yeah, for my perspective, for those who want to help refugees, we have a big door to open at IRC. This can be in touch with IRC and soft landing. Right. Yeah, we have also other um, organizations who try to get in, just to try to be close of the refugees. But those two, IRC soft landing, remain the main one. And we are very thankful for all they did for us. And they continue to do for us as soft lending. We have Mary, we have Greta, we have a lot of people there working like family. Right. Yeah. They, they, are, they, they are not only working as a, as a job, but they, they are doing their job as a family. As a family. And that makes uh, a difference. Our, yes, make a difference. Yes. Um. Is there anything you would like to add, anything that we have not talked about so far that is important for you to let the community know, the listeners know? Yeah, it's not, uh, it can't be a new thing. It's just to say thank you for all Missoulian or for all Montana. And uh, uh, you know, it's not easy to open the door for someone who you don't know. Right. But they trust us. And I can ask them to continue to trust all refugees. It was not our choice, right. but God that make happen. Right. We, we have people who lost everything. Right. They are under depression. Yeah. Or being, being ready to understand what they are looking for. Right. We come, a refuge is a, a place where you can feel welcomed. Yes. And until now, we feel welcomed in Montana, in Missoula, and we want to be part of this community. I remember last week I was uh, at a big high school, uh -huh. and one of the students asked me, if peace come back to your country, are you going to go back there? And I just tell them, okay, home is home. Right. If peace come back to my country, I can love to go there, but from now, I'm in Missoula, and I'm here. Wow. 
she was happy. I remember yesterday I received a card where they just um, write some things thanks to, to be in touch with them. Right. I didn't tell you that uh, I'm also a student at Missoula College. Right. And there I feel home. I have all my colleagues close to me with the bar of language. All the teachers try to understand where we are coming from, the things we are struggling with, the language, but the door is still open. Right. And for me, Missoulian have to keep that culture. Congo was also a hospital, um, we call it an hospital country, which, which every door, every person was welcomed. Right. And USA is doing the same thing. All door is open. And keeping that culture of welcoming people, that can be a great thing that they can continue doing, and God can continue blessing this country. And it makes a world of difference yes. for those that are coming here yeah. to have that welcoming attitude mm. and those open arms um, that, uh, that are greeting people and are taking them in. Yeah. That was um, a very touching, Paul, a very touching uh, tribute to, I think, the people here and how caring people are and um, how important it is to look out for your fellow man, no mm -hmm. matter where that man or mm -hmm. woman or child <laughs> comes from. Mm -hmm. I think that is really, really important. And I think you put that in such beautiful words that yes. um, that was a wonderful closing yeah. for um, the podcast. So thank you so much, Paul. Um, it was an honor to have you. I wish you good luck and, and all the best for... Uh, all the work you do with the many different hats that you're wearing. Yes. But I think they all connect to yes. cultural inclusion. Yes. And they all, at the end, help people to culturally adjust. Mm. And I think that that is such an important thing yes. um, that uh, needs to happen for people to feel connected, to have a home, mm. and to be able to prosper. Yeah. I, it's for me to to thank you. Oh. I can say Asante oh. for opening the, that door, for Mark to open the studio for us, for for being here. Yeah, uh, it's a pleasure for, for me. Well, and lovely. I say Asante. Asante back to you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. You've been listening to the final episode of a three-part series about individuals managing cultural adjustment and culture shock. Thank you for listening. Those of you who are regularly tuning in to International Voices know, being of German descent, I usually end with a German farewell. Dankeschön fürs Zuhören. International Voices is brought to you by Arts Missoula Global and The Trail 1033. This and previous International Voices podcasts can be found at artsmissoula.org and thetrail1033.com. If your interests are in global and intercultural education, programming, cultural and global competence, and international affairs, we hope you join us again after our short winter break. There will be no podcast in January. We usually take a short winter break, but we would be honored if you reconnect in February 2023 for a new episode of International Voices. 